Welcome back, everybody, to the second to the last episode of Brothers Banter for the season, that is. With you, as always, is Brother Raphael. And I'm Brother JD. It's good to be with you all today. And today, Brother and I are going... Myth-busting. Myth-busting. I, I loved that show as a kid. The Mythbusters? The Mythbusters, yes. That's right. On the Discovery Channel. Yeah. I don't even think that exists anymore. The Discovery Channel? The Discovery Channel. I don't know. Well, it's like the History Channel. There used to be all kinds of history shows on there, and now... It's like reality television. Forged. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like... Counting cars. Yeah. Or um, Pawn Stars. Yes. What does that have to do with history? I don't know. Uh, or you have like the Swamp People. Swamp people? Yeah, there was one about like swamp logging or something like that that my dad used to watch. Oh, nice. No, I... And there's, you know, uh, uh, what was the other one? Like Naked and Afraid, Goofy. Ancient the, Aliens. Ancient Aliens. Just weird things on History Channel just, anymore. Just weird. But our kind of myth busting, unlike the show, is about... Religious life. Religious life. And thanks to our friends over at the... National Religious Vocation Conference. We we we're, we're gonna uh, use their questions. Uh, yeah, they're the true MythBusters here. We're just relaying the information and putting a bit of a personal spin on it and putting a little bit of a flair. But would you expect anything else from from a fraternal us? flair? Fraternal flair. Well, brother, shall we? Well, let's try. Let's yeah. try. I mean, today is Pentecost. It is Pentecost. Right? So let's hope that the, the Spirit is is with us. And will lead us. And will lead us as we go about myth-busting. Brother. Do we, do we need a safety helmet for this myth-busting? I always wear my safety helmet. You know I can't. You know it's a doctor recommended. <laughs> Brother, the first question I have to ask you is, are young people entering religious life today? Yes. And how would you know? I'm one of them. <laughs> well, you know, that's a really fascinating question. It sounds very simple. Yes, there are young people entering religious life. We're examples of it. Our intercongregational novitiate program, where there were, what, 40? Well, 40 people in formation here in Chicago. I guess if you take away the, if you the add the all last semester and then this yeah. semester and, you know, people who left came. Yeah, yeah. But... That, that's just one city, and that's one group. One, and, one Yeah, and the intercongregation of is is conducted in, in uh, all across the U.S. in yeah. different little enclaves of religious forma- uh, formation. Many cities. Uh, St. Louis, Los Angeles, yes. or that area, rather, I Southern California. Yeah. But they're not entering in the droves, in the numbers that they used to in the... 40s, 50s, and 60s. 40s and 50s. 40s and 50s. But even then, I would suggest to you... And as we all know, everyone in religious life talks about it. That was a that was a blooper. That was an anomaly, a right? Blip. You know, uh, uh, yeah. And I don't think people have been able to figure out or put an answer, uh, rhyme or reason as to why people came in. I mean, our director here, his class, his postulancy class was like ninety people, almost a hundred. Yeah, it was a lot of. People. It was a lot of people. Imagine that going into your novitiate year, a hundred people. I mean, we couldn't fit that many people in this novitiate building. Well, definitely not. It in feels this kind building. of large with six people. You wouldn't even be able to have your own restroom. Oh my goodness! Yeah, no. Imagine Savage the room. horrors of the other guy would have to face. <laughs> <laughs> but the fast, you know, to what you said about our director, 
how many of them still remained or how many of them died as, as brothers? That's a great point. I'm, I'm probably, pretty sure he, yeah, he, he has them in the, I think there was eight that eventually like stayed, stayed and some but, of them have passed. Yeah. But you know, let's go for numbers sake. You went from a hundred to 10 to 10, right? That's, there was to be considered. Yes. And before we move on from that question, some of you may wonder, well, don't you feel disheartened? Don't you feel X about this, right? Challenge. Going from 100 to... Well, and you know, for me personally, at least, the answer is no. And, and that's because I didn't join because I saw a bunch of young faces, right? And that's actually one of the statistics that... Uh, that the that uh, NRVC brings up that that many people joined for different reasons, and it's not like there's a one size fit all reason, but entrants found their chosen institute by working with a member of the institute or an internet search. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Institutions where they served at so parishes, schools, um, you know, uh, food banks. A friend or an advisor recommended it, mm-hmm. or a friend or relative, you know, recommended that institute. And I think, in a way, given that it's Pentecost, I think we can make all of this work. You know, the Spirit uses people. That is a hundred percent accurate, at least in my life, and I know in yours. Yes, uh, the Spirit uses us, nudges us, using different people, not just not just one voice. One voice. And I would even add to that that you know. What's the old adage? God makes... Right, straight, and crooked lines. Yeah, right, straight, and crooked lines. Something like that. Yeah. Well, as of 2018, just for reference, and then we can move on to uh, another myth, there were 440 new people entering religious life, and there was 177 people joining religious institutes. Hmm. I'm curious what that distinction is. Mm, a number of new entrants, number of religious institutes with new members. So I guess the diocese must be included in there. Yeah. So it's just saying so that those 400 individuals entered, yeah, entered 172 different institutes. No. 172 different. No. 144 new people entered. Or sorry, 440 new people entered uh-huh. diocese, religious institutes. And only 177 of those entered religious institutes so 144 in total uh-huh. and of those 144 177 entered into religious institutes you know you should be a teacher so do the math get back to me hold on you have no room to talk about math with me <laughs> i don't know why we were anyways long story short that's 440 some people <laughs> 440 some people entered religious life um and that, I think, says a lot. Absolutely. You know, especially for our institute, where Ignatius of Loyola and St. Francis of Assisi had a thousand people when they died yeah. after founding their uh, orders. Their respective congregations. St. John Baptist de La Salle only had a hundred. Yeah. There were a hundred brothers at his death. Right. In France. Yes. So... Do I take heart? Going back to the original question, do I take, I take heart in knowing that we were never a big institute, mm-hmm. right? And we come in every so often, five at a time, 
one brother um, refers to it as the blessed trickle. The Five. blessed trickle. Yeah, Brian. Wow. A few at a time. A few at a hey, time. Keeps w- it going. What have we been saying the entire time? It's quality. Quality. I don't know what your excuse is. Over quantity. You know what? I'm just going to let that sit as it lies. Oh, wow. The spirit guided you to The spirit has moved me. Brother, I have to ask you now another another one of these questions. Is it true that religious in general don't have fun on their off days? Oh, no. We have all kinds of fun. So how do you spend your day then? Uh, and I know we've talked about this before, but we're, we're just, again, we're going down this line. Uh, so if we're going down this line of questioning... Go down the line of questioning. I didn't do it, I swear. Sorry. Um, wrong, wrong question. Wrong question. We work in high schools. I mean, you and I work in high schools. I and you. You and me. We work in high schools. I have fun. I mean, I think kids are a blast. Even though I was never a fun kid growing up, which is, you know, interesting. Uh, my sister can attest to that. Who said you were fun now? Okay. Touche. <laughs> but I, I have fun with young people. I mean, they're, you never know what they're going to say next. Uh, this is true. Kids and, and say the, the s- darndest things. Yes. Ah. And at the same time, the young people that we work with give us a better perspective and show me God's love and... All its varieties and all its forms. Not to mention the brothers and colleagues that we work with. We're, we're fortunate to be surrounded by some wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. Yourself excluded. Right, right. Yeah. You know, you ever need a good uh, humble pie? Walk into a, walk into a sophomore classroom. <laughs> or a senior classroom at the end of the year when they know they're going to graduate anyways and they don't care anymore. Ooh, buddy. When senioritis is in full bloom. Oh, man. You will be humbled very quickly. You will be reminded of your flaws. Yes. Uh, yes. And so, one of the major questions that I think someone who is doesn't really know about the Catholic Church or doesn't really understand how religious institutes work, what are some of the differences you've discovered, maybe by our time at ICN, maybe by knowing other people? What are some differences in uh, between religious orders? One of the more obvious things I think I notice between the religious orders are their works, right? Mm. What work do they do? Their ministry. Yeah. Ours is very defined. Very specific. C- compared to some other orders. I know the Dominican sisters, you know, their mission is to preach. Yes. And that takes many... Varieties that takes many takes on many different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, we joined a religious congregation, an institute that's here in the United States. And yes, we can volunteer for missionary work, and we can be asked to go to missionary work. But there are others that join religious communities, knowing that they will be doing missionary work most, most if yeah. not all of their life. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's, you know, we are brothers. We're all brothers. There are religious groups that have brothers and priests. There are religious groups that have sisters, brothers, and priests. All of the above. None of, you know, one of the above. Yeah. So there's all kinds of flavors to religious life. You know, I think one of the biggest things about our own 
congregation, our own institute, is its community life. Absolutely. I think there is a big focus, and if we've learned anything during our period of formation, but specifically here in this past year, is that our mission and our ministry is interconnected. Yes. You know, you can't separate the two because one gives life to the other and vice versa. Yes. We, we are, if we're tired from the classroom, we replenish in the community. And if we're tired in the community, we can replenish in the classroom. And underneath all of that or in woven in all of that is our spirituality too. Right. Right. That our work and our spirituality are so closely tied as is our community life and mm-hmm. our spirituality. Yeah. And that can be different for other religious groups, other religious congregations. Yeah. Outside of this year of novitiate, what are, or rather, let me rephrase that. How do people in religious life deepen their relationship with God? I think it's through prayer. I think it's through lived experience. And reflecting on that lived experience. Those are my two answers. I'm going to lock those in and stick with them. You said three. So oh, which one, one the, was, which of the three do you want? <laughs> prayer. Okay. That's always the right answer. Okay. And reflection on lived experience. All right. I'll take that lived experience though. Okay. I think for me, part of the biggest moment of Thanksgiving was being able to draw from my experience Right, that lived reality in the classroom with other brothers in community, with our colleagues discussing X, Y, and Z, and bring it back to prayer. And, yeah. And just be like, did I, you know, and struggling in that prayer because, oh, well, I'm not sure if I did it right. You know, and if I don't do it right, then, and it's not to say that I dwell on it and I beat myself up, but those, that's going back to what we were just saying, integrating the two things our ministry and our spirituality it, it's a it's a great way of growing independence of God and letting go like look there's only so much I can really do and the rest has to be God see I would add to that that I find myself reflecting or bringing to prayer well where was God in this moment where was God in my classroom at eighth period on a Friday as crazy and hectic as that may seem, but it's in the small gestures. It's in the comments from the kids. It's all these different affirmations that you see in the building. Yeah. Uh, I pause and, and take time to see, recognize where God is in our lived experience. It could be here in community. You know, I, I we are fortunate enough to live with some very generous brothers that not just here in the novitiate, but also before and in the future, that give so willingly and so easily without any consideration of personal cost, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's where God is. Yeah. And it, and that's how I come to know God better. And it, those are just two answers from two different people's perspectives i think if if you are truly curious about that question ask more people Mm -hmm. ask them how they do it and i think you slowly start to 
you know, you borrow from, for example, I would borrow from you something. If it works for me, great. Maybe I can incorporate it and make it my own. But it's about building your own relationship, Mm -hmm. right? And that's difficult because it doesn't mean that we're leaving you by the wayside to figure it out on your own, but you really should work on figuring it out on your own. There is no one relation, just as there's no one applicant for religious life. Right. There is no one relationship with God. No one way, yeah. Everybody's style, everybody's relationship is going to be different. You know, whether you're religious, whether you're not, whether you're married, you know, there's all going to be very different relationships with God. And we're all encouraged to deepen them in any way we think we can. I would suggest even just talking to people. Absolutely. You don't know where to begin. Talk to people about this. Different people, friends, family, parish priest, religious member, you know, from what, what, you know, your whatever institute or congregation is around you. Uh, and once you feel comfortable, because I know you and I both do this, spiritual direction. Absolutely. I was going to recommend that. I find it to be amazingly beneficial. I think, yeah, in our conversations. Again, going back to what we said at the very beginning, um, you know, the spirit moves us and uses many people, many people around us. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's a, a good place to begin. Anyways. Absolutely. Agreed. Next question. Next question. How do you enter religious life? Uh, that was hard. Next question. Um, I got Shanghai. <laughs> Sold a bill of goods. Sold a bill of goods. No, no. And it's, o- it's only joking and teasing here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was, we're both fortunate enough to have known the brothers from our, our high school and college days that yeah. we had a person, we were in regular contact with a number of brothers mm-hmm. that guided us through the process. But I would imagine all religious congregations have an application process, Definitely. right? It's not like it's, you know, you make it up as it goes along. There's usually a set application process. Oh yeah, most definitely. And there usually also is something like a contact program, mm-hmm. which is the term that we use for our order. But yeah, getting in touch with whichever order you're interested in, whether it's a maybe even not an order, a diocesan uh, uh, vocation for, yeah. for priesthood, uh, but getting in touch with that vocation promoter, vocation director, coordinator, whatever title they might use, um, that's the first step. Yes. And then you begin to have these conversations that we keep talking about uh, and, and slowly discern bingo bango there's our word again which I don't think we've used often discern discern we might have to discern that well, we'll we surely will go into a period of discernment won't we brother one last question one last question oh my goodness there's so many left you talk too much wow that's a pot calling a kettle well, let's do this one since it's multiple questions. Will I get to see my family and friends? Will my life be lonely? And will I find the vows difficult? There's your, there's your 20 minutes, Mr. Timekeeper. Red card. Aww. Will I see my family and friends? Yes. 
I can speak from experience in our religious group in the brothers, right? I'm in regular contact with my family. You know, earlier today I was on the phone with my mom. We were talking about uh, some plans for the summer and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I text, and I know you do too, mm-hmm. my, my sister, regularly. Wow, you weren't supposed to find out that way. You know what I mean. <laughs> wow. You text your siblings. Still looking for God in this one, folks. Still looking for God. But, yes, I I do maintain regular contact with family and friends. I'm fortunate enough where a couple of friends are in the Chicago area, Mm -hmm. as well as a few have passed through on their way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, you do get to maintain contact. Will you be lonely? Was that question two? That was question two. I guess the... The answer is yes and no. There are times where you're, you feel lonely, but aren't necessarily alone. And vice versa. Yeah. So, I, yes, there, there are some days where this house is very quiet, where it can be easy to feel like you are lonely. But I've learned through lived experience that that's often when I recognize God there, right? That, that, that loneliness is, is a, a time and a space and a place to reach out to God, to engage with God and in, in, in prayer, in conversation and contemplation, mm-hmm. meditation, all mm-hmm. those other Asians. Mm-hmm. Well, you find, do, do you find the vows difficult? No. I think if you're living it authentically, they're not difficult. And you realize that those vows, you know, we talk about the, the evangelical councils or canonical mm-hmm. vows, but they give life and support and, and they give life to our life, right? They give life to our vocation and they, they support it as opposed to being a, a hurdle to get over. Yeah. Well, brother, I agree with everything you said, except for the one thing at the beginning. Will I get to see my family and friends? It all depends on what you are called to. Yeah. There are some religious orders that are a, a lot stricter in the way they observe their own charism and their own spiritual life. Off the top of my head, um, some of the pl- poor clares, which are cloistered, mm-hmm. some of the Carmelites, OCDs. Ooh, um, uh, the Missionaries of Charity. The uh, Missionaries of Charity. So it it comes down to your discernment uh-huh. of where God is calling you to, right? Where do the gifts that God has given you meet best the world's needs? And somewhere in between all of that thick mess is you, mm-hmm. right? And where where do you place those gifts? Okay, brother, we got a few more minutes here. Why don't we do our... Favorite segment. Our favorite new segment. Yes. Our the banter spotlight. Oh, is that what we call it? Yes, we did. Banter spotlight. Dun, I forget. I don't know. Okay, who do you have this week? This week, all the way from the Windy City and just about 20-minute drive, 
we have our first, no, not our first, but one of the, the original San Miguel schools, which was founded in 1995 by two former Christian brothers in a convent dining room with 18 students, a staff of four, and a $50,000 grant. And uh, the founders chose the name San Miguel because they believed in the mission of the school uh, that would gu- would be guided and set an example from Brother Miguel, who was an Ecuadorian saint that lived in the early 19th or 20th century, rather. Mm-hmm. And so... A few years later, the San Miguel School moved across the street and occupied the fourth floor of the former St. Michael the Archangel Parish School. And in 2002, San Miguel expanded and the second campus opened in the Austin neighborhood. And after 10 years, the school serves 900 students and 150 uh, graduates. Economic circumstances. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. That led to its closing. Yes. That satellite campus. Mm-hmm. And this week I have, uh, let's see, I lost the name. Oh my goodness, it was at the top of my list. The LaSalle Educational Center in Homestead, Florida. Uh, the Le- Educational Center opened in May of 1990 um, as the youth expressed their desire for a safe refuge uh, for after school a place where they could get their homework completed and where they could improve their educational skills. Sister Soledad and their volunteers accepted the challenge and the center was created. Sister Soledad originally named the center St. John Baptist de La Salle Vocational School because she was also educated by the de La Salle Christian Brothers in Mexico, but the center was later named to the educational center. Um, in about a year later, the brothers were asked to officially participate in the ministry when Brother Rene Hernandez joined them. And this educational center continues to function, uh, providing a variety of services, including parenting classes, uh, adult educational computer classes, and so on. Uh, it's a little atypical or it's a little different than some of our other ministries here in the United States but it still does great work in Miami Florida Uh, it is actually part of the district of eastern North America as of a year or so ago pre-covid times pre-covid times and to any of our friends who are listening from homestead our our heart goes out to you and our prayers are with you as the passing of one of your greatest advocates Jose Dorado Mm-hmm. Uh, in his recent uh, recent return to God. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, brother. Well, brother. Shall we end as we end all things? Yes. Live Jesus in our hearts. Forever. <laughs>